problems is. So pray much about that, if you would, please. Something I heard today that uh, that I've been saying all along that America's losing their respect for life, and this news person said that the problem is with this abortion thing that when they started aborting babies that we lost the uh, preciousness of life itself and that's what's uh, uh, a lot of the problem with the riots uh, this mass murders and things they just don't care for life itself and I believe that God uh, a man the other day asked me preacher is anything wrong with, with cremation I said, I have dealt with that problem ever since I've been in the ministry, and I can find nothing in the Bible that says you can't do it. I mean, you know, it's, but the thing that I told him, as far as I'm concerned, and this is my, my personal belief, but as far as I'm concerned, the reason I don't want to be cremated or so on, that I believe that life in your body is very precious in the eyes of of God. Now you can't do away with the body. Right? You can do, you can burn it, you can do whatever you want to with it, make ashes, but God called those ashes back together again. I love the book of Ezekiel where it talks about these bones of bone, these bones are coming back together and this sinew upon this sinew. That's what he's talking about. <clears throat> and these bones are coming back together one of these days. But still, uh, I, I, I thank God and, and I want to I don't want to say it in the wrong words, but I reverence the body, if that's the right word. What I'm trying to say is I appreciate a, a person's body. And I was reading the other day where we ought to love one another in the Lord. We're all different. And, you know, just because we're different doesn't mean that uh, God didn't love, don't love us the same. I mean, we go, we go past some people sometimes. I've seen somebody the other day, I said, that's about the ugliest person I've ever seen in my life. And I went on down the road and I said, now, now wait a minute, God loves him too. <laughs> you know? And that's the truth. I don't care what you think about somebody, what kind of person you think they are, God still loves them too. And God gave them that body. And the only thing, that had nothing to do with the message tonight. What I just, What I want to say though is, the preciousness of life itself. And when you lose that, when you lose that personally, then you don't care if you kill somebody, you don't. I mean, you know, you just you just lose it all. And God even talks about in the book of Romans, chapter 1 and 2, that He'll turn you over to a reprobate mind and you'll do those things that's inconvenient. And what He's talking about there is you'll do things that you think you wouldn't do and people would do, never, never do that, but you just don't know. And I was listening to the news just this afternoon, and right down here in Riverview, uh, a man killed his wife and his invalid stepdaughter. Both of his wife and his daughter was uh, invalid in bed with tubes in them. And he just come to the place, he said, I just can't handle it no more. Went and shot both of them, killed both of them, and then turned the gun on himself, killed him on self. Now, uh, I've been in pretty strong straits in my life. But I've never come to the place that I want to kill somebody just because they're sick. 
just because they're old and aged. But now I've been in hospitals and I've been in rest homes and I've been in places and I've been going to them for years. <coughs> and I've seen old people in there that can't take care of themselves that say, Preacher, nobody comes to see me. Nobody cares. And it, it's sad when we get to the place as human beings, I'm talking about, that we don't care for our elderly and we don't care for our children. What that does, you you get to the place you get hardened to life itself. And life is very precious. And we need to get we need to really pray uh, for our country that we'll get back to the place that uh, uh, we think and believe, like the Bible says, that life is precious and then we'll love one another and care for one another no matter who you are. And God will take care of it. Now tonight, if you turn your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. I have some young people that's been calling me lately, it's been listening to YouTube, and uh, they'll bring up questions, and they said, you've been answering every one of them from the Bible. And um, they, they're passing it on. Well, it tickles me, they're t- passing it on to different people to, to listen to it. But uh, tonight... In Matthew chapter 9, I'll begin reading verse 1. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on the bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, <clears throat> this man blasphemed and Jesus knowing their thoughts said wherefore think you evil in your hearts for whether is easy to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say arise and walk but that you may know that the son of man has power over earth to forgive sins then saith he to the sick of the palsy arise Take up thy bed and go into thy house. And he arose and departed to his house. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto him, men. And as Jesus passed from this, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the seat of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus said at meeting in the house, Behold, many publicans came and sat down with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eat is your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold, ye not a physician, but they are sick, but, be, but go ye and learn what that meaning. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we uh, and the Pharisees fast all? But thy disciples fast not. And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. No man putteth a piece of new cloth into an old garment. For that which is put in the, to fill it up taketh from the garment, 
and rent it, and made, the rent is made worse. These do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runs out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine in new bottles, and both are preserved. Father, would you give us understanding now of thy word? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First of all, Jesus knows our fault, our thoughts. In verse 4, and Jesus knowing their thoughts. Now that, that when I first read that years ago, man, that's a scary thought, isn't it? A scary thing to even think about, that everything that we think about, <coughs> Jesus knows them. In Proverbs 23, verse 7 said, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. In Proverbs 24, 9, The thoughts of a foolish thoughts of foolishness is sin. Proverbs 15, 26. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. Romans 8, verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Proverbs 12, verse 5. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsel of the wicked are the deceit. Now, our thought life then is very important because what we think on, we will do. Now, if we think on Christ, we'll worship Him and serve Him then. And we will do those things which are pleasing to the Lord. But, if we think evil thoughts, then we will let the devil use us to do evil and to go against righteousness and the Lord. I've been listening to some of this thing they're debating of what they're teaching our young people in the school. And uh, this mess that they're trying to teach them, and I won't go into the depth of it, but uh, some of the mess that they're teaching, putting in these young minds, and they think they ain't doing anything wrong in doing it. They think they're doing what's right. But once your mind begins to think on that, you'll end up doing it. And that's, I believe that's where a lot of people, uh, a man called me just here later <coughs> and told me about his son that just wants to be a woman. I had another one call me, and her daughter wants to be a man. And it's, it's just uh, unthinkable to me that these things could happen. But somewhere down the line, those thoughts were put into their mind. And the Bible makes it very plain. What you think, that's what you're going to do. That's why it's plainly tells you over and over, think on the Lord. Always be thinking about the Lord. Now, and above all, we must remember, no matter what we think or do, God knows our thoughts, and we will answer to Him for our thoughts. Now look at verse 6 with me. Please. And But that we may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Now, the second thing I'd like for you to see tonight out of these verses is Jesus is the only one on the earth that has power to forgive sins. There's no mediator between God and man except the man Christ Jesus. Uh, today, we do not need other daysmen. Jesus is our daysman. Jesus is our high priest. No preacher no so-called priest, no good man can take his place of a sin forgiver. 
Jesus alone has that authority to forgive sins. Now, we can be used of God to bring men to Christ Jesus, but we can't forgive their sins. Our Bible makes it very plain that our sin is against the Lord. Amen? Now, verse 8, if you would please. Verse 8. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Now, it's very important here, as men and women, boys and girls, get saved for their sins, as we human beings, as children of God, ought to marvel at the grace of God, glorify God's name, because only God has the power to forgive sins. Amen? And every time I see it, and when somebody gets saved, I marvel at it. It just, I want to glorify God for His marvelous grace. Now, verse 10. Verse 10. And it came to pass, as they set at meat in the house, behold, many publicans came and sat down with him and his disciples. Now, if you read all the way down through uh, verse 13, uh, you'll see, if all you do is teach and have those that are already saved. I want to show you something. Turn back now, just back to chapter 5 for a second. Matthew chapter 5. I never will forget Dr. Jack Howe saying that these verses uh, impacted him as much as any verses in the Bible after he was saved. Listen to Matthew chapter 5 and uh, verse 46, please. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? <clears throat> do not even the public consult? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Notice here, please, it says, if all you do, if I can put it in this sense, if all you do is glorify the saved, if all you do is think about getting people saved and being around saved people, talking to saved people, that's the reason it. I've had problems with people in the past in this church right here. People used to come to church here and they wanted me to preach on something besides salvation messages. Well, if all we do as Christians, <clears throat> we get together and we talk about the Lord, we talk about people getting saved, and that's all we do. Now get this, I don't mean you got, that's, that's very important to do, alright? But if that's all we do, what have we done more than the outside world? Nothing. The Bible makes it very plain. If all you have in this, uh, if, if those who love us, we love them back, then what have you done more than others? And the Bible makes it very plain that we're to love everybody and get everybody we can saved. God has someone, <clears throat> I thank God that God had someone to deal with me in the past, and I know that everybody else has. And so there's comfort, hope, and assurance in knowing Jesus came to save the vilest of sinners. And not just us Christians that we come together and try to serve the Lord, but we're to be after other people around us. Now verse 16 and verse 17 of chapter 8. Verse 16 and verse 17. No man putteth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, for that which is put into it, to fill it, up, take it from the garment, and the rent, it made, the rent in it is made worse. 
Neither do men put new wine in old bottles, else the bottles break, and the new and the wine runs out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. <clears throat> now, verse sixteen to seventeen has to do with Jesus answering uh, verses fourteen and fifteen. Go back up now. Then came him to the disciples of John, saying, Why do we say? Uh, why do we and the Pharisees fast all, but thy disciples fast not? Now, what they're doing here is going back under the law. According to Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 and 15, the Jews were still practicing that Old Testament ritual of fasting. Now, fasting is all right to do now if God lays it on your heart to do so. That is the to get control over your body and your appetite. That's what it's about. Now, but to fast and mourn and carry around a sad countenance is not to be done as an ordinance of salvation. We're under grace. We're not under law. We're we're not saved by outward adorning of the flesh, but by the circumcision of the heart. And Jesus, uh, just fasting on certain days for certain periods of time, has no place in the gospel of grace of God as far as works is concerned. I have, I've had over the years people come to me, now preacher, I've been fasting for some time. You know that's strictly against the Bible? The Bible says if you're going to fast, don't tell nobody. That's between you and the Lord. Amen? Don't go around bragging about, oh, I've been doing out for the Lord. I've been uh, sacrificing for the Lord. No. If you're not careful, you bring works into grace of God. Now, it's by grace, the gift of God, that we're saved and we're kept by grace, not by fasting and mourning and pleading in prayer. Now, let me get something straight. Jesus said, don't forget this. He said, now some that we pray for, uh, that we look at them and say, well, we didn't get our prayers answered. And Jesus answered and said, but these kind come by fasting and prayer. Now, what's he talking about there then? You are to discipline your body, get control of your body, and fast and pray to the Lord. But you don't let nobody else know about it. That's between you and the Lord. That's something that you do. You get the power of God on your life where you can pray for somebody. Now, notice something here. Jesus uses two illustrations to show that the new covenant cannot be mixed with the old covenant. That is... Law and grace do not mix. The idea here is verse 16, in those days the Jews were more wore woolen clothes. And a piece of uh, woolen clothes that was completely finished would shrink the first time and it was wet and would naturally tear or cause the old clothes to rent. And if you try to live up to the law, you will fast, but the grace of God never fails. And that's what you've got to understand. Verse 17 is the same thought. Do men put new wine in old bottles? Uh, Goatskin bottles at that time were used, and because new wine or grape juice will ferment in old bottles and smell and burst, uh, burst them open. Now, verse 17 says, but they put new wine in the new bottles, and both are preserved. 
Law and grace do not mix, because if any man was ever justified by the law, or any part of the law, then Christ died in vain. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus came to fulfill the law, and he did fulfill it, and every jot and tittle of the law. Romans 10, verse 4 is true. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes it. Now, I have a lot of problems with people, uh, the Seventh-day Adventists, I talk to a lot of them, and they believe in not eating things, uh, certain things, you know, uh, like pork, and uh, I can't remember now what all they, they're not allowed to eat uh, certain days. They've got to uh, do things different on certain days. Did you know that we're free from sin? And now you think about that for just a minute. I am free. I'm free by the grace of God. By the grace of God, I am to watch what I eat, watch what I talk, watch what I, everything about me for the glory of God. And I watch what I say, I watch where I go, but it has nothing to do with my salvation. I'm saved by the grace of God. But since I'm saved, I want to do what is right for those outside of grace, outside of salvation, that they may see Christ in me. And that's the grace of God. So remember something. If somebody comes along and says, uh, you are not eating a certain thing, you are not to do this on a certain day or whatever. No, I'm under grace. And I can, but Paul said, I won't for your sake. Amen? So if I offend, it's sort of like Brother Roald. Uh, everybody knew that Brother Roald was a uh, uh, vegetarian. And uh, he, well, I never will forget uh, he, we put him up in the motel right here on 60. Behind it used to be an orange grove there. And they said, if you ever see somebody coming out of that orange grove with a juicer under his hand and the King James Bible on the other hand, that's Brother Royal. They was always making fun of him and talking about him. Uh, you know, so he got this cocktail made for me. Of, of uh, I don't know what all was in that thing, but it looked terrible. It was green looking. It had uh, carrot juice and everything else in it. And he said, now you take this, it's good for you. But let me show you something. If he came over to your house and he had, you had pork chops and gravy, he'd sit down at your table and eat with you. He'd never offend you. He, he, many times he came to our house <clears throat> and with his girls. He had his same with him. And I never will forget, uh, I rushed home between Sunday school and church one time and I carried our pork chops and gravy next door to my, my sister-in-law's house, and I made him a big salad. And I knew that that's what he liked. Now, what God is talking about is, I'm not going to do certain things just to offend somebody. If I know that you're a vegetarian, I'm not going to set pork before you or steak before you. I'll fix you a nice salad. But don't you tell me what to eat either. Amen? And so uh, the Bible is very clear about that. Now, people could only understand the difference between law and grace. They'd understand the Bible. Grace is the free gift of God, unmerited, uh, unearned, undeserved. We're saved by grace and grace alone. Even the faith that we have to get saved. I had a man tell me, well, the uh, Bible says you must ask the Lord to save you. I said, yeah, but God gave you that grace because he said in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So 
redemption is of the Lord. Now, the Lord is our salvation. Jesus is our completeness and our fullness. Ephesians 1 verse 6. We're accepted in the Beloved. And uh, many, many verses. Ephesians 4, 32, 1 John 2, 12. God saves us for Jesus' sake. Not because we watch what we eat and watch what we do. Now, apart from His tabernacle, feasts, offerings, and holy days, the Jew is lost under the law. He could not worship or find forgiveness of his sins. It was imperative with God that the Jew met God at the appointed place, at the appointed time, in the appointed way, and that was through the high priest who took his offering and brought the blood into the tabernacle, which was a foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior to come, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the sad part is, many preachers, many so-called priests, stand before people today trying to carry out the old Levitical order which can never take away sin. We leave out the great high priest, the Lord Jesus, according to Hebrews 10, verse 14 through 21. So, when it comes to understanding the law and grace, when it comes to understanding that since we are saved, if all we're going to be interested is our little group, I heard, I was talking to men one time, and I, I never will forget it. Uh, he's a pastor of a church, and he's got, a, I think it was 12 people, and I said, uh, do you all go soul winning? We're talking about soul winning, winning people the Lord. No, they don't want to stay just like it is, our little church, our little 12 people. You know what God said about that? If that's all you do, you do nothing. That's not what it's about. Amen? And so, uh, it's important when you read these verses that you understand that we're under grace, not law, and we're to serve God, but we got to have a testimony that when we go out of this place, that we'll witness to the world. I like I like what people come up to me and say every once in a while, and I'm not saying it tonight to glorify me by no means, but I, I, people say, you still preaching that same old gospel? Uh, you still doing them same old things in the Bible? You know, they'll mention something in the Bible. I said, didn't know you were supposed to change. Amen? The Word of God is the same yesterday, today, forever. So, let's stick to it. Amen? Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, glad we're saved tonight, but we're also glad we're saved by grace, not through works. I've Thank God a many a time that I wasn't born back those days of blood and bulls and goats. And I've thought about all that bloodletting and the smell and everything that had to go with it and what people had to do under law. And Lord, you fulfilled everything that's required on the cross. That's grace. Thank you so much for saving us tonight now. In Jesus' name we ask you. Amen. Thank you very much. Shake hands with somebody, please.